right? It's albumin? I have no idea. I've never heard that word okay, before. Maybe I'm wrong on that. <laughs> and we're back. Is that Joey's impression of me? That's that's Ellie. Yeah. That was Ellie, can you tell? Mm-mm. And we're back. Episode five of I wish that was in my impression of you speaking. <laughs> of my smoking? Speaking. Of speaking. We're back with episode five of I Should Know This with Ellie and Joey. Anyways, <laughs> so we're a show about asking each other questions of topics we should know and then fact checking them at the end. Mm-hmm. If you like what we do, rate us, tell us how we're doing. There's a Google box form form that you mm-hmm. can fill out. and The link will be in the show notes and subscribe so that. You can listen to all of the episodes. We post a new one every Sunday. And then we also have the fact check. Um, what would you call them? Links. Links in the show notes to make sure that you can read up on any of the cool topics we're talking about. In case you're interested. So we decided beforehand that I go first. So this helps a little bit. Yeah, well, I went first last time, so it makes sense. All right. Well... I guess I'll start with a very, I think, basic question oh that gets to the root of it all. You're an electrical engineer, so this should be maybe maybe going back a little bit, but we're going back to the fundamentals. So, you know, electricity requires conductivity. And I figured if you could explain what that is and then also maybe elaborate on, I was thinking, you know, copper wire is such a conductive material. Why copper? Or something like that. And I actually don't know all the details, but I have an idea. So I figured you can explain some of these concepts and share what you should know. Okay. I mean, you're bridging into chemistry a little bit. Because if you think of the periodic table of elements, that's where copper is. It's an element. Oh, no way. (laughs) And so... It kind of has to do with their molecular structure. Actually... Yeah, their molecular structure and like the atom itself. Um, But you might have me beat on (laughs) the details of it. I'm going to guess. I'm going to wager a guess. So we were going back to conductivity. Just that was the first question. And then I was branching off with why copper is uh, a conductive material or one of the leading conductive materials. Maybe there's new ones that I don't even know about, but you Mm -hmm. always think copper is which you use in all these wirings and whatnot, but just back to conductivity. Yeah. So conductivity is when electrons, it's like the rate that electrons can flow through a material. Okay. And electrons are the little E with a minus next to it. It's yeah, a negative so charge. If you look in a microscope and you look for E minuses <laughs> floating around, that's what those no, are. No, but people that like would they would remember it from school, I would hope. There are three um, parts of an atom. There's the protons, neutrons, and electrons. The protons are positively charged, neutrons are neutral, and electrons are negatively charged. And the Protons and neutrons hang out in the nucleus, and the electrons kind of buzz around that nucleus in a cloud. Okay. And I don't think we're talking about what is an atom, though. I think we maybe can save that for, for something else. Well, it kind of helps. The, okay. it, I mean, for me, when I'm trying to you know think back on the best way of explaining it, 
I'm thinking of the the things that I learned in school. Okay, so the reason that I'm explaining it is because it helps me remember how the whole system works. So when you apply like um, two different charges to a line to a anything they're gonna try and find that equilibrium so all of the negative charge is gonna want to move towards the positive um and so the conductivity of a material like depends on how many loose electrons they have to help like move that energy towards the other end that makes sense sure so are you saying that anything can be conductive is that even a true statement? No, not everything is conductive. I mean, I guess it's kind of like viscosity where like you can't have a negative amount of conductivity. Everything is conductive. It's just like a low level versus a really high level. Okay. I'm definitely going to need to get back checked on that because I have a feeling I might be wrong because like I have safety toe boots that are apparently non-conductive whatsoever. And it's just like a composite material with no metal in it. So that was kind of a trick question because what I found out from school, I haven't looked at any notes or anything, was anything can be conductive if you put enough current through it. Okay, so I so, was right. Yeah, I mean, rubber can be conductive if you put enough current through it, but obviously it's not as conductive as, you know, some metals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, in terms of why copper is more conductive than, say, like what we were talking about last time, which is like glass or like cardboard, and I think that it's, I think it definitely has to do with its molecular, <laughs> molecular structure. Molecular structure. I felt like... Um, when people say nuclear, that's what I felt like just now when I was saying molecular. Oh, boy. And I questioned it for a second, and then I was like, no, 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 that's how you say it. Am I answering this really poorly? No, I think you just need to elaborate more on this conductivity of metals and maybe if copper is preferred because it's cheap or if it's more conductive than some of the other metals or what? So copper isn't cheap, but like I'm pretty... So gold is like a very, very good conductor in the sense that it has low resistivity. Okay. So it doesn't dissipate a lot of heat when you're... It's efficient when it's passing current through it. And copper is the same, but like copper is obviously cheaper than gold. So I'm sure like in reference to everything, yeah, it's relatively cheap, but you can also conduct through like aluminum and cheap cables are aluminum, not copper. So... I don't know necessarily why it's the preferred. Maybe it's just like an ideal kind of ratio of resistivity to conductivity. Yeah, maybe it's stronger as a material. Like Did more you look durable. It up? No, I don't know. Oh, okay. I'm asking because I don't know. <laughs> but as an electrical engineer, I would expect it would be something you should know. Yeah, I guess it should be. I mean, and it's such a universal material for, you know, wiring and whatnot. I feel very... Um, from my limited knowledge. I feel like, I don't know the right word to say, but I feel very tied to copper because it's like, I feel like Chile is known for its copper. Oh, and going back to history now. And so I think of Chile when you talk about copper, because even when you're at the airport, they have those um, check-in desks that are copper-plated, antibacterial copper. I was about to say, that has nothing to do with conductivity. No, of Everything course not. quote-unquote antiviral and antibacterial well yeah so that's a fun fact if you ever go to a ever go to the santiago airport but okay so back to conductivity i mean i feel like you answered some of it the only thing that i feel like i didn't mention was semiconductors which i think are interesting 
Is this going down a, a weird wormhole? No, I guess, I mean, we can save it for another day, but specifically like silicon is a semiconductor and it's used in all of like our electronics and it's really um, malleable in the sense that you can dope it with positive and negative charges so that it conducts exactly the amount that you want it to. Dope. Doped there silicone. <laughs> Um, did you know that? No. Oh. I mean, I knew that it was a semiconductor and it's in a lot of electronics. Mm -hmm. It's also in implants. In, well, not the, the semiconductivity <laughs> of, of silicone, but, you know, I've heard that. Yeah, I think I've heard that. Not well. that I have any. Perhaps one day I'll consider it. Implants? Yeah. For what? No, nothing. For my pecs. I was going to say for your tushy, <laughs> but I didn't. It might be too inappropriate. All right, yeah, let's keep this PG. <laughs> okay. So we'll come back with the fact check on that. Mm -hmm. Brace yourself for my question. You kind of brought it up. Um, Copper? Yeah, we could talk about that. <laughs> yeah, actually, I wanted to ask you about the chemical structure of copper. No, I'm kidding. Um, so you mentioned it a little bit, but I wanted to ask what the difference between viruses and bacteria are and kind of like how viruses can be used for good um, and like vaccines. Got it. Easy enough. Well, so the viruses being used for good is particularly relevant because I saw a news article about it very recently. Yeah. So, I mean, viral delivery of good things is supposed to be phenomenal. You and lost me on viral delivery. Better. Okay. Well, look it up. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Google this would be, it. Yeah, this would be uh, Google it. This is our podcast called Google it. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week. <laughs> uh, that joke will get old soon when I keep saying that. So bacteria has a cell wall, right? And it's more of a complex organism than a virus. So a virus is basically, imagine a capsule like a um, spaceship, right? Where it has the legs and then it has the actual capsule where all the people are. And then imagine the people are like the, the RNA or like the DNA. So what's the difference between RNA and DNA? One is deoxyribose and one is... What? <laughs> That's literally the difference. Okay, there's a definition difference, but it doesn't tell me what's different about it. It's just the name is different. So DNA is more complex than RNA. Okay. So viruses being a less complex organism. Are so, they an organism? No, they're not. But <laughs> you know that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, 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 that but does that mean that viruses came first? No. Oh. Dinosaurs came first. Joey. Everybody knows that too. Stop it. Um, viruses probably came first, one would imagine, just because it's a simpler system. So bacteria, they have cell walls, they have organelles, will go into cells another day, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure this is a good topic for, you know, cell, um, plant cells and animal cells. But anyways, let's stay on topic. So bacteria, they have... Um, the ability to do good on their own, you know, they're in food, you know, yogurt. We just bought some yogurt. Shout out to Shabani. I guess I mean the different when I asked, sorry, I should have been more specific. But when I asked what the difference between virus and bacteria is, I guess I was thinking more. Um, Why they're being used? No, no, no. Oh, I didn't know bacteria was being used. No, I mean, why bacteria is not being used and why viruses are oh so it's not i mean i'm sure it has been considered 
Okay, I mean, what I meant more was just like, you know, when you get sick and you think about whether it's a virus or a bacteria, what the differences are and how you would treat it. Is this another topic for another day? Because we were talking about why viruses are being used for good. Okay, so viruses, the the tricky thing with them is it's imagine um, an egg, right? We've talked about eggs before, but an egg, right? You literally drop it on the floor and it cracks open and it goes everywhere. So imagine a bunch of eggs being dropped on the floor, that's exactly what a virus does. It just goes right into your system. It goes right through the cell walls. It goes right into um, being transcribed. So it's being um, duplicated and then it goes inside the cell, duplicates, and then it explodes and then creates more. So viruses are, you know, going to be quick and they're going to hit you hard, knock you on your bed for a decent amount of time, whereas bacteria will take a little bit longer, but they, you can, you know, use um, antibacterials, obviously, to get better because you can fight those, whereas viruses, you can't fight a virus. You know, they're too simple of a system. So what is a vaccine? So a vaccine is, um, I'm trying to think of, let's take polio. So there's the polio vaccine. What they're doing is they're taking the um, all the, let's say, data of the vaccine, or sorry, all the data of what polio is, and then they're changing just a little bit of it to make it not active. So it's basically, imagine you take a plus sign, right? But you take one of the one of the legs of the plus sign and you break it a little bit. Well, that's not going to fit into the perfect piece, piece, but it's going to have a lot of the similar similar characteristics. Does that make sense? So it's yeah. not going to fit exactly, but it's also not going to work in the same way. So because it's not working, your body's able to recognize the polio shape but it's not able to, uh, the polio is not able to actually do anything harmful because it's been mutated. Yeah, that makes sense to me. But I guess there's that myth that you can get sick from vaccines. But based on what you're saying, that wouldn't be the case. Yeah. So if they're taking something that was once active and that could do harm and they've changed it so that it's less harmful or so that it's not harmful at all, actually. So it's not going to. Yeah, because babies you. are given vaccines. Yeah. And it's basically teaching your body to develop an immune system or an immune response to mm. that so your body knows when i see that shape fight that thing because it's foreign whereas if you get hit with the real you know polio let's say and you take a, a vaccine of that that could potentially kill you mm-hmm. well i'm making paralyze you yeah i'm yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense to me. I guess, okay, so do you want to talk about how... So we can go back to the, the viral delivery. Mm-hmm. So basically it's, you know, you have an egg, right? And you have it filled with like a yolk and the albumin, the white stuff, right? It's albumin? I have no idea. I've never heard that word okay, before. Maybe I'm wrong on that. <laughs> um, no, I think I'm right though. It's always, it's always when I get on the podcast, I just start to have these brain farts and I'm doubting myself, but I'm probably, I hope it's right. We're going to have to confirm that now. It's okay. Anyways, so imagine you take the insides and you change it. So you can fill it with um, pieces of yarn. You can fill it with a different type of liquid. So all you're doing is you're basically changing what's inside that virus capsule. So you're taking the the bad RNA out and then you're putting in good RNA. And basically that RNA codes for like proteins. Mm-hmm. So you can code for good proteins. You can code for things that actually do you um, do do good things for your body. Mm-hmm. So imagine you're you're taking this virus, it easily penetrates the cell, right? The the data easily penetrates the cell. 
So you can pick and choose whatever you want to easily penetrate the cell and then start working. And because viruses can spread across so many cells so quickly, it's such a good delivery system. Mm-hmm. It's crazy that there's technology that can work because if the virus is small enough that it can just go through a cell so easily, to, to know that they can change what's inside a virus so that that gets delivered to a cell is like microscopic, more than microscopic, right? Well, so the virus isn't going through the cell, just for clarification. The virus is landing on the cell. That capsule is landing on the cell like the spaceship lands on the moon. Oh. But then the, the people, which it are the RNA, it. yeah, they just slide right through. But they still are able to like take all of the n- bad RNA out and put in yeah, so it, it's like good RNA. It's like in. taking astronauts out and putting villains in. And they do it by hand and or is it like a machine that does it? Yeah, they usually just they, they put on gloves and then oh, they stick their I hand mean. up that capsule. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, there's ways to do that. That's crazy. I have another question, but it's totally going on a tangent, but I know you know the answer. Perfect. So your thesis was about lipid delivery, right? Yeah, so liposome, which is a lipid, which is a fat, your body's made up of that lipid bilayer. Mm -hmm. So basically, you're encapsulating, so you have the stuff that you want that's good and you surround it with a ball of fat. Uh-huh. And because your body uptakes fat, you know, it takes those lipids in because you have the lipid bilayer, then it literally just encapsulates and engulfs it. Uh-huh. And then it easily takes up the So that's a really good delivery deliver. system too for good stuff. It can be a good delivery system. Just for particular things. Yeah, I mean, it, it really depends. I mean, we can get into yeah, such a I know that was a tangent, but, this, but I remember you mentioning that to me and like having heard of, I guess, viral delivery. I just like kind of had an idea of what the purpose of that would be. But the news article that I read was really interesting. They were able to like, you know, modify a virus to kill cancer cells in the body. Yeah, that's definitely early research, I would imagine. Well, I've seen that stuff about it, that... but I mean, we'll, I'll put the article in the facts. Yeah, that would be interesting to read. Mm-hmm. I mean... Did you like my question? I think it was good. Okay. We're going back to literally the those basics. college days. That is not back to the basics, but what's in an <laughs> egg is back to basics. So. I like that. I hope that that's a running theme, that when you explain topics to me, you, you use eggs. That's... What I was trying to do. I thought it would be funny. And then I said yarn because we talked about that too. Oh, I was, I was like, just that kind of threw me through a loop because I actually imagined yarn being put in an egg and being like, that does it. That's crazy. I mean, it's just a shell filled with whatever. I know. So we could fill it with, I was going to say M&Ms, but that was weird. I mean, that's good stuff. Though. <laughs> so that's a good example. Okay, cool. So I guess we'll fact check. Okay. Ready to try and squeeze this fact check in to the least dense explanation that I can. Well, so, I mean, you got the definition of conductivity down on point. Oh. I mean, I, w- I, mean, I didn't look it up because you're looking up that stuff. <laughs> but, but you knew from, it. I mean, the definition was, I think, the easier part. But I think it's good to, to refresh on that and talk about some of this other stuff. Okay, I'm just going to read the Wikipedia definition really quick. So you look up conductivity and you're always going to get resistivity in the definition as well because they are reciprocals of each other. So keep that in mind. 
It says electrical resistivity, also known as specific electrical resistance or volume resistivity, is a fundamental property of a material that quantifies how strongly that material opposes the flow of electric current. Okay? Um, Your definition was significantly better. We should update the Wikipedia with yours. Mm. <laughs> Very simple. Um, also, the unit for electrical resistivity is the ohm meter, but it's interesting because it's not like you can just multiply those two. There's like a division of length and then a multiplication of cross-sectional area. Anyways. Um, okay. So what makes a, a material conductive um, is something called band theory. And they're given a Fermi level. And that's F-E-R-M-I. And I'll put that in the fact check. It's also just in the Wikipedia. Did you say Furby? Because I remember that was a big holiday trend. No, for me. Um, for me or for you? <laughs> so I'll read the definition. It says, in metals and semi-metals, the Fermi level lies inside at least one band. And there's a little diagram that shows this. In insulators and semiconductors, the Fermi level is inside a band gap. So I guess that makes sense because then, you know, it's harder for something to travel if there's a gap. It's kind of complicated. So why copper? Let's get to that. Because mm. I think that's the... Um, all right. In metals, cons metals consist of a lattice of atoms, each with an outer shell of electrons that freely disassociate from their parent atoms and travel through the lattice. So it has to do not, it does have to do with the molecular structure because it forms a very specific structure and those electrons freely move in and out of it. Well, so from what I remember, again, just periodic table memory over here, uh, I was going to say carbon. Copper is two electrons, right? Oh. Is it? I don't know. I'd have to look it up. What I was have you just, been looking up over there? Well, I was looking oh up my. the conductivity of metal. Okay. <laughs> now I... Mm, its atomic number is 29. It's a soft, malleable, and ductile metal with very high thermal and electrical conductivity. But that's not telling you how many electrons it has, right? No. Electrons per shell, 2, 8, 18, 1. So it's just... Oh, I see copper down here. Okay. Electron configuration is 3D to the 10th, 4S to the 1st. Okay. I actually semi-remember that, but it's very vague in my memory. Oh, I also wanted to say that um, we kind of, I referenced the microwave thing, and I mentioned that we were talking about how it's conductive. Mm -hmm. there, there is a difference between electrical conductivity and thermal con conductivity. Okay. But it doesn't really matter right now. So do we know why copper was the chosen one? Was it because Chile is your favorite country and therefore... Yeah, I mean, could very well be why. Um, I will look it up. This is a historical question. Okay, I found it. These are the reasons why copper is used. Number one, it's an excellent conductor of electricity. We know that. It's very ductile. Um, so ductile means that it can be stretched for a good length without breaking or weakening. Mm-hmm. It has favorable chemical properties. It's re abrasion resistant um, and other things that, that would shorten the life of it. Mm -hmm. It has a high temperature tolerance. And as we know, the electrical wires take current from one place to another. 
In, this, in such a situation, when high voltage current passes through a wire, its surface temperature becomes high. Copper wires enjoy a universal or global standard as they are preferred for electrical use worldwide. So it's compatible with most building designs. And then it's abundant in quantity. Yeah, so a little fact is the amount is estimated to be enough for the next 5 million years at the present extraction rate. They're saying there's about 1,014 tons, but that's an approximation. I'm going to look up how much copper... Chile mines every year. Five million years of copper. So, I mean, we don't have to feel bad about the pennies that we print in the U.S. then. We could just get new ones every every week. I'm trying to find the amount that they... It's just giving me percentages. Amount of what? Of copper that Chile mines every year. Oh, my God. There was a Codelco law in April of 1992. What else happened in April of 1992? Easter. I was born! Which means I'm even more closely tied with copper than I ever knew. So you definitely should have known this. And I was destined to be an electrical engineer. Basically. (laughs) Okay. Well, I will find that number and I will add it to the fact check. But I think that covers what you asked. Great. So I'll go into one of the basics. So egg whites are, in fact, called albumin. From now on, I'm just going to say it and I'm not even going to question it because if I'm saying it, then I probably do know it. You just, you've doubted yourself ever since you called caffeine a vasodilator. Yeah, maybe that's the case. But we can go into some of the the difference between the the vir- sorry, viruses and the bacteria. Just looking at bacteria, the relatively complex single-celled creatures. They have a rigid wall. There's like a thin rubbery membrane that surrounds the fluids inside the cell. They can reproduce on their own, and they've been around for 3.5 billion years. That's with a B. (laughs) They're able to survive in different environments, including warm, extreme heat and cold, radioactive waste, and the human body. Um, Most bacteria are harmless, but, you know, there there are some bad ones. As we know, you get sick from them. Whereas... Viruses, significantly smaller. The largest of them are smaller than the smallest bacteria. So they're they're tiny, tiny. It's imagine an egg versus a grain of rice. Kind of like that. <laughs> Can you, what is it in reference to like an elephant? Um, a baby elephant. A capybara? I don't know what that is. <laughs> so they have a protein coat and a core of genetic material. It can be DNA, but there is also a lot of RNA. Oh, I didn't know it could be DNA. Yeah. I mean, it sounds familiar. I thought it was too big. No, because you're going to have a short DNA. So um, they can't survive without a host. So they need to attach themselves to cells in order to reproduce. Um, In most cases, they reprogram the cells to make new viruses until the cells burst and die. Um, In other cases, they turn normal cells into malignant or cancerous cells. They do cause disease, or almost all the viruses do, uh, naturally. And then they're quite specific about the cells they attack. For example, they can attack liver, respiratory system, or blood. And then in some cases, and I found this super cool article about how viruses target bacteria, but not any kind of bacteria. They, so the viruses that are modified with the good stuff, they can deliver death to antibiotic-resistant bacteria. Cool. Crazy. 
I still think we're over-prescribing antibiotics, but it's nice to know that there could be something to help against antibiotic resistance. Yeah, so, and then also talking about that, that liposomal delivery system Mm -hmm. versus viral delivery systems, I was trying to recall back to to why viruses had issues because we talk about how good they are at delivering Mm -hmm. and how good they are for being able to, yeah, I guess just Mutate a cell. Yeah, just just promote the the good stuff that that you want to deliver. Um, So they do um, have particle instability and it's difficult to concentrate just because imagine a wet piece of cardboard, right? So it's going to be easy to damage that. So it's not a stable box versus a very robust wooden board, you know, that's much more durable. And that's kind of like what a bacteria is. It's much a durable wall. So it's able to keep the, the stability of the. So viruses are unstable, which is why they die without a host. So that's part of it, but it's just the, the data inside can be affected by it as well. Oh, I see. So you can't control it as much what actually makes it to the cell. Yeah, exactly. And then they were saying um, it's got a, a lower transfection efficiency, but what? I'll, I'll, I'll link that. <laughs> um, you did you find the, the article I was talking to you about? Which one for what? The one about the virus delivery being used to kill cancer cells. So it was this one dating back to June 2017. No, there was a very recent one. But I remember doing a lot of this research. Senior year. Thesis, baby. I will find that more recent article and post it because it's not popping up. But it was on Apple News, so I thought you might have seen it. I haven't read Apple News today. I had a very busy day. No, it wasn't today. It was like in the past few weeks. Then I missed it for Mm -hmm. sure. So in an effort to keep this under 30 minutes, preferably 20 to 25, Mm -hmm. we're going to call it. Don't forget to check out the show notes to see some of these details. If you're interested in them, Mm -hmm. please leave us feedback. If you want to rate us, you can do that um, on the iTunes store or wherever you're checking us out. This was I Should Know This with Joey and Ellie.